seed life in the most abundant ways possible in proportion to our ability to know Him, love Him, follow Him, and worship Him. That's where we believe life is discovered in its greatest levels of abundance. I'm using my words very carefully here. I am not attacking or criticizing anybody else. And I hope you don't hear that. Because that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I mean. I am, but I mean what I mean. I mean what I'm saying, okay? Um, we also believe, uh, as a core belief, uh, in spiritual community. We believe that there should be a place that we, a, a real place, not this, not imaginary, that's not fair, but this invisible, floating around, can't see it, don't know, that, that church, uh, I'm a part of the church. What church do you go to? Oh, well, it doesn't have an address. Well, who, who's a, who, Kim Testament Christianity. Oh, that, that's a big deal, I believe that. Well, that's fine, but it's just not New Testament Christianity. Paul didn't write to the church eternal. He didn't write to the church of the universe. He wrote to the church at Ephesus. The church at Philippi. The church at Rome. Real places with addresses. You could mail a letter to it. You could Google it and go to it. Okay? And we believe that, that, that church is a real place. And we ought to be a part of a church. And, and we wanted this church to be a place... Um, where people could gather and feel welcome and safe and accepted, where we could know one another and be known, and where we could see and experience the love of God through the lives of the other parts of the body. And then the last, there's some others, but I'm just hitting on a couple. And then the last one is the one I want to talk about with you today for a few minutes, and that's we believe in prayer. I pray, I can't say daily, but I pray regularly, more days than I don't, that God would somehow make our church a real house of prayer. I want to become a man of prayer. I want my family to be a family of prayer. I want my grandson to know how to pray. I want... I want, I, I want our church to be a house of prayer. and That's a hard one, guys. That, that's, that's, it's, I, think it's the, I think it's the hardest one for me. And I think it's the hardest one for me because I think it's the one that the devil fights the most. Um, but I, uh, we as a church believe that when, 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 the, when the Lord Jesus died, he created direct, access for all those that belong to Christ he created direct access into the presence of God the Father my grandson um, told me Friday night Thursday Friday night I was ran over there to give him a hug and a kiss and he, and he was my daughter has a, a landing that's taller than that curtain rod Somewhere between that curtain rod and the roof. 
a little thing, a balcony, not a balcony, but a little thing that looks out over the living room. And he was sitting up there and he said, Lad, wonder what would happen if I jumped off there. And I said, well, let's just not even think about it because we don't want to do that. He said, well, I've been thinking about it. I said, I know you have, and I would do it too. I didn't say that to him. I said, I would do it too, but I, but I don't want you to do that. And, he said, and I said, because that would really be a bad deal, and I might, I might lose you. I might, you might die. He looked at me like I am looking at you. He said, well, you know, lad, if I died, and he's four years old. He said, you know, lad, if I died, I'd go to be with Jesus in that wonderful place where he is. And I said, well, Teddy, why would you go up there to be with him? He said, because you know, Jesus tore that veil half in two and I can walk right through. (laughs) And I was like, God bless your mama. God bless her. God bless her. Yeah, that was so good. You know, Jesus tore that veil right into and I could walk right through. That's what I'm talking about. That when Jesus died, the curtain that separated us from God was torn apart and we can enter into... That doesn't just mean that we have some kind of a... It means a lot of things. It, it, means, it means a thousand things. But one of the things that it means is that I can literally walk right into the presence of God, into his throne room, and I can tell God about my sin. I can tell God about my needs, my hopes, my dreams, my fears, my problems, my battles, my wounds. And let's, let's get it away from me. I can also take things to God that have eternal impact. I cannot just, it's not just a place that I can go to to receive, although it is that. I can go into the throne room of grace and I can receive grace, grace there. For, but it's also a place that I can go and I can get involved in things in your lives, in the lives of your children, in the lives of your marriages, in your financial lives. I can get involved in things that are going on in Washington, D.C. and in the Middle East. I can get involved in things on a global scale, a cosmic scale. I can literally be involved in things that, have, that, that matter eternally, that have huge, immeasurable impact. I really believe that when I go before God and I pray, that's what takes place. So, having said all that, I want to talk to you today for a couple of minutes. You know, uh, when, when you read about the early church, whether it's in the book of Acts or in early uh, uh, historians, Truth be known, we don't really know a lot about the early church as far as when they gathered together, what took place? What was an early church worship service like? The Bible is remarkably silent 
It is so detailed and specific about so many things that it's shocking how little the Bible tells us about what went on in the early church. The, the well, who led it? How did it go? What, what, what was the order of service like? What, what took place? The who's, the what's, the where's, the when? When did they meet? Where did they meet? What did it look? We know very little. But let me tell you what we do know. We know that when the early church gathered together, they gathered and they prayed. If you read the book of Acts, the thing that they did consistently, they did a lot of things, but the thing they did consistently is that they gathered and they prayed. Acts chapter 4 is an example. Peter and John had been arrested and thrown in jail. And then they were interrogated and sort of a stood, sort of a trial kind of a deal. And then they didn't, couldn't prove anything. The leaders didn't, couldn't. And so they, they let them go. And then this is what it says in Acts 4. Peter and John, once set free, returned to the church and reported all that the Jewish leaders had said. And when the believers heard their report, they prayed. The New Testament church was not known for its wealth, its brilliance, its popularity, its buildings, its organizational skills, or as a place that was fun. You don't see any mention of those things in the book of Acts. You don't hear any of the early Roman historians or Jewish historians going, Wow! We're impressed with the early church because it was a fun place. Wow! We're impressed because it was a rich place or a place filled with intellectuals. That is not what you hear. What you hear when you read the early Roman and Jewish historians, the early Christian historians in the, in the book of Acts, is that when the early church gathered, they prayed. Acts chapter 2 says that when the early church gathered together, they devoted themselves to God's word, to one another, and to prayer. The early church was a, they, they, uh, they faced insurmountable problems. For the most part, they were, they were very poor. They were the lowest rung of society. They faced real needs, real problems, and real dangers. And what you see if you study them is that their response to their challenges and their needs and their problems was that they gathered together and they prayed. They prayed. The book of Acts says that when they gathered together, they prayed for wisdom. When they faced big decisions, life decisions, they gathered together and prayed about those decisions. It says that they prayed about for, for God to give them when they were attacked and threatened and afraid um, because they were such a small little entity in a huge ocean of other uh, uh, powers. Uh, they gathered together and asked God to give them courage and boldness. They gathered together and they prayed for their leaders. Consistently they were praying for their leaders. And then they gathered together and when they did, they prayed for people that were grieving over loss. People that were in need 
and people that were sick. And I would just tell you that since that time, 2,000 years ago, for the last 2,000 years, believers from all time points throughout time, believers from all cultures, believers in all sorts of circumstances, they have gathered together and prayed. C.S. Lewis said this about praying together with other believers. Praying, this is C.S. Lewis, the greatest, arguably the greatest Christian mind of the 20th century. It's not a, that is not an over-the-top statement. This is what he said. And this dude was Anglican. So he's not, you know, rolling down the aisle, uh, uh, you know, screaming praise the Lord and, uh, you know, handling snakes. This, this dude is Anglican. So he's, he's, he's sort of formal. But this is what he said about, about praying with other believers. Praying together helps me see and hear and grasp Christ in ways that I cannot grasp Him alone. I experience more of Christ as I pray for others to experience more of Christ. I need to hear others pray. I need to hear others that are going hard after God. And I need others to help me carry the heaviest burdens of my life. Dang. I hear when I do it, uh, when I turn, allow Christian radio or Christian TV to, to, to come on, I try to avoid it, but when I let it on, uh, um, one of the things that I hear, and, and there's truth, there's truth. This is what I hear is true. We need to learn to pray in faith. We need to strengthen our faith. We need to pray in faith because if we pray in faith, we'll move mountains, right? And that's true. There's not, that's not a wrong statement. That's a true statement. But I want to suggest to you that as when it comes to prayer. As desperately as I need to grow in my faith to pray effectively, I have an equal need to grow in love. I believe there's a direct correlation between my ability to be effective in prayer and how much of God's love I allow in my life. St. Augustine said this, True prayer is nothing but love. True prayer is nothing but love. So it begs the question, Larry, do you pray in love? And I, jury's still out on that. I've broken that into two parts, which I'm going to try to touch on real quickly. True prayer is nothing but love. And I think part of that principle or idea 
is answering the question, do I really understand why I am heard when I pray? Do do you understand? I'm telling you, and you would tell me, I think, oh, when we pray, God hears us. Right? But the question is, why? Why does God hear us? That's a very important question. Why does God hear you when you pray? Why does God hear me when I pray? Do we know why? And I want to suggest to you that the reason the Bible tells us, there's only one reason why God hears us when we pray. And that reason is because God loves us. God's willingness to listen to, hear, and respond to my prayers is solely based upon His love for me. Jesus said in John 16, one day, Really, he's implying after I'm gone, after I've gone back to heaven. One day, you, my disciples, will ask for help. And you will be heard by the Father. Why? Because he loves you. So my question regarding this love, of God's love for us. Do I approach God? In prayer. Because of God's love and goodness. Or because of my love and goodness. Do I approach God in prayer. Because of God's love and goodness. Or because of my love and goodness. And I can answer that. There's an answer. After I've really messed up. I mean I have taken my sin To a new level. Devil's clapping. Demons are proud. Does God hear me less than when I have spent months fasting, walking on water, going down to St. Jude and healing whole wings of children? When does God hear me more? When I have been obedient and good and Your answer will tell you whether or not you believe that you and I are heard because of God's love and goodness or because of ours. I want you to think about the prodigal son in Luke 15. You know the story. I was going to get uh, Colin to shoot it up on the screen, but we'll just, just for the sake of time. You know the story of the prodigal. Why did the prodigal go home? Why did the prodigal go back into the presence of his dad? I believe there's only one reason. He knew that his dad loved him. He was convinced without a shadow of a doubt that his dad loved him. No matter how bad a situation he had created, no matter how deep a hole he had dug, no matter how horrible an offense he had created, he knew in his core that his dad loved him. And because he knew that, he could go back home. And he did go back home. I find it very significant that in his time of need, 
He didn't go to his older brother. Why? 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 Why didn't he go to his older brother for help? One reason. He knew his older brother didn't love him. We will only go into the presence of people in, in times of real shame and need and fear and disaster. We will only go into the presence of people that we are convinced love us. We will only go into the presence of God consistently, faithfully, when we are in need, loved the prodigal son. 1 John 4 says that perfect love casts out all fear. My grandson, if he was in here with y'all, he'd be very quiet. Y'all go, what's that about? My grandson, until he knows you, He's very quiet. Kim Bowden has spent four years trying to get my grandson to speak to her. He won't do it. He won't do it. Now, it could be he's a good judge of character. But, it, but that's not it. It's, it's, what it is is he doesn't know Kim. But literally, if he and I just walked outside, Shirley says, well, you know, what would y'all do today? It's always the same answer. I'll tell you what we did today when he and I spent the day together. I'll tell you what. I listened. He just chats and chats and chats and chats. Why? Because he feels safe with me. He feels loved by me. We will chat our tongues off with people that we feel loved and safe with. Prayer is about a continuing, enduring love relationship. Where I am developing and understanding and enjoying a growing love relationship, that's where I have communication. That's where I'm having the most effective communication, the most powerful communication. Lovers do not mind asking each other for help and answered right do I feel am I convinced do I believe that God loves me with an everlasting undying unconditional love do I believe as Zephaniah chapter 3 says that God when he thinks about me which is continually He delights in me, he rejoices in me, and he literally is singing. He's so happy with me that he's singing over me. I will come to God in prayer when I'm convinced that I am delighted in and accepted and loved and welcomed. Second question, do do. My first question is, why am I heard when I pray? And if I have any answer other than God loves me, I don't understand how or why, but He does. And because He loves me, when I talk to Him, He stops everything and says, I'm focusing on you. There's nothing going on that's as important as what you're saying, Larry Ray. I'm hearing every word and I'm going to write it down and respond to it in the, with the in 
confidence of my wisdom and love and power. Second question that I have is this, related to prayer and love. You with me? Do I really love the people that I pray for? Do I really love the people that I pray for? I believe that the greatest problem that the disciples had was not their faith. They had weak faith. But if you read the story of the Gospels carefully, what you see is an ongoing saga of 12 men who at the end of the day struggled with loving people. They struggled in their prayer of them. And hence, they struggled in their prayer lives. I don't believe that the disciples loved the, the, the Samaritan woman. Where is she going, Jesus? She, she bring you some lunch? What's going, why are you talking to some uh, Samaritan woman? Do you feel the love? Do you feel the love? Little children, uh, I'm sorry, parents bring their children. Would you, would you, I don't worry, Sonny, but would you bless my children? Would you, get out of here. We're busy, we're important. We got, we're movers and shakers. We got things to do. We don't have time for a bunch of shenanigans. Gee, how, that is so selfish of you to slow us down and inconvenience us by bringing your kids here for a blessing. Feel the love. My question is, did the Samaritans, did the disciples love the Samaritans when they wouldn't let Jesus come into their town and spend the night and get some food? And the disciples' response was, Jesus, say the word, we'll call down fire and brimstone and we'll zap them into a crisp. Feel the love. The lady asked him, her daughter was, uh, I guess she was demon possessed or sick. Anyway, she's a Canaanite woman. And the, the desire, uh, uh, she came to Jesus and said, Jesus, heal my daughter, heal my daughter. And the disciples were like, Jesus, she's, she's making a scene. She's embarrassing us. She, she's screaming out and people are looking. We're embarrassed. Tell her to shut up. Not Jesus. Have, look at her, Jesus. Don't miss her. She's, she's got a daughter. I forgot now whether she's sick or demon-possessed, but whatever it was, she's got a bad problem with her child. Jesus, help her. You don't, you don't see the disciples encouraging Jesus to help people. What you see is a track record of the disciples saying, Jesus, we're important. And we've got stuff to do and we don't have time for all these, all this riffraff and their petty problems. And hence, tell me all the Bible verses and the Gospels about the disciples and their prayer lives. Oh yeah, what they're really doing is normally sleeping. Not praying. Because they don't love people. Mary Magdalene. What? She, 
could have sold that ointment and, and, and uh, 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 made a lot of money and given that to the poor. And here she is at the feet of Jesus. Feel the love? I never see the disciples, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the 5,000 feeding of the 5,000. You don't see the disciples concerned about the hunger of the people. Jesus is concerned. These people have been with me for several days and they're hungry. You don't see the disciples saying, Jesus, these people are hungry. What are we going to do? They're like, oh, don't put that responsibility on me now. We don't pray for people well because we don't love them. He who loves well prays well. And I would suggest I'm not scolding or rebuking or criticizing. I'm just appealing. One of the reasons that I don't feel what God wants me to feel when I'm at this church is because I don't love the people that are around me. Because if I really loved you, I'd rather be in this room on this, at this hour than anywhere in the world. The reason we don't pray well is because we don't love well. Do I come? You can answer that question. Well, I do. I, I like all these people. I like standing in the back drinking coffee and laughing and joking and carrying on. I can do that with the best of them. Bully for you. But on Saturday night, do I start thinking about what's going to take place in the morning? And do I start preparing myself? Because I love Turk. And I love uh, Melody. And I love, because I love Turk and Melody, I love Melody's mom. I've never met Melody's mom. But I love her. And I care about her because I love Melody. And I'm going to start arranging my Saturday night and my Sunday morning with them in mind. Do I, do, I, do I come to church on Sunday morning with fresh faith? Fresh passion, fresh discernment, fresh wisdom, fresh connection with God so that when I walk in here and I say, would somebody like to pray? I'll pray! Because I've been thinking about Francis and Matt all weekend and I can't wait to pray. And I spent time in the presence of God this morning and last night. To get myself ready so that just in case I get a, an opportunity, I'm ready. Who, do, who does that? I'll tell you who does that. Somebody that loves the people in this room. Soccer bill, we got to quit. Okay. Um, we're going to... We're going to do something a little differently this morning with the time that we have left. You do what the Lord tells you to do. Okay? So there's no manipulation. There's no pressure. There's no bullying. 
That is not what I'm about. And that's not what I want you to be about. And I've really been thinking about this thing about us gathering and praying for one another. And I'll call you or text you or see you. And man, you will give me, and I want you to, you will give me an earful about how your life, I'm going to paraphrase it. My life sucks. Now, that, that, that can go a lot of different directions and look at a lot of different, but at the end of the day, how are things going? My life sucks. And then you come in here and you sit and you listen and you go home. And then the next week I say, how you doing, Larry? My life sucks. <laughs> and nothing took place. Nothing transpired. There was no... I love that in Acts 4 where it says that the church gathered together and they prayed. And then a few words later it says, and the room was shaken. I don't know what that means or what that looks like, but man, wouldn't you have liked to have been a part of that? Where some, they prayed in such a way that it, the building couldn't stand it. So we're going to, if the building shakes, That'll be a deal, but I'm not counting on that. I don't even need that. What I'd like is to leave here and feel like that I was shaken. Bowie on the building. I'd like to be shaken. I'd like you to be shaken. And so we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And um, uh, I'm going to have Michael. I want, after you take the Lord's Supper, I want you to come stand right there. And then who else did I have here? Um, oh, Robin, and you're already there. That's perfect. You just knew exactly where to be. Robin's going to be right there. And then, Mom, I'm going to let you be, after you take the Lord's Supper, right up there. And then, but there's someone to be there, and Robin's going to be right there. And I'm going to tell you more about that in just a minute. But after you take the Lord's Supper, I want to invite you to do one of three things. I want you to identify one of those people and go with others that will also go to that person. And I, I want you to pray with them. You don't have to pray out loud. If, if you want to, you can. But if you just want to be prayed for, if you would like to pray for others in that group, if you would like to bring somebody, maybe your child or your husband who's not even here today, you want to bring a need of someone that's not even with you, you can represent them. But I want you to go to one of these four corners and be a part of praying together. Like I said, you don't have to say a word if you don't want to. Don't feel like you've got to because you don't. But if you want to, pray. If you want to be prayed for, good. Or if you say, you know, would you pray for my son that God will get a hold of his heart and set him on fire so that he will love Jesus like never before. You're representing someone else. You can also take the Lord's Supper and go back and sit down in your seat. You might want to have a couple of minutes just where you do business with Jesus yourself. I just need some time. Me and, me and God. Good for you. Or you might say, you know what? They're going to, the Piccadilly line is going to get long and I need to get on out of here. Uh, and so if you want to leave, that's fine. There's only one wrong answer. 
The wrong answer is, please don't go to the back and talk about goofy stuff. Sports and politics are the first thing that comes to my mind, both of which are goofy. Okay, so don't, don't do that. If you want to talk about those things, that's fine. Just go out in the, the goofy area about there, okay? And you can talk about that, okay? So here's what I want you to do. Uh, we're going to serve the Lord's Supper, and then Michael's going to be up here. Michael's group is going to pray for people that are sick, physically or biologically ill. I'll just leave it at that, okay? If you are sick or you have a loved one that is sick, I want you to go and pray with Michael, and I'm hoping Terry will join uh, him. Um, Robin's going to be right over yonder, and she is going to, to uh, pray. And bar, uh, let's say who? Barbara, where are you? Ah, oh, she's with the kids. Okay. Well, in, anyway, uh, Robin will be over there. I was going to get uh, uh, if somebody else wants to help Robin, uh, that'd be great. But I want that group to be praying for hurting families. It could be anything. Somebody's got a wayward son or a friend that's got a broken marriage or maybe you're having struggles in your family. Robin's going to be over there in that area and they're going to pray for hurting families. My mom is going to be up here and uh, her group is going to pray for our city and our nation. So if you have a burden, anybody can complain. The line of people that are skilled at complaining goes from here to the Mississippi River and back. Anybody can complain, but only a spirit-filled child of God can intercede. We all complain about our city and our nation. Will we take a few minutes and intercede? Right? Okay? And then uh, Randy's going to be back here in the back. And that's for, um, I want him to his group to focus on and pray for their salvation, people's spiritual lives. Maybe you know somebody that needs God and you want to pray for their salvation. Maybe you want to pray for some people to grow spiritually. Maybe you want to be prayed for that you'll start uh, growing. You hadn't read your Bible since Shep was a pup. And God, I want you to pray, Randy, that I'll start reading my Bible or I'll, start, I'll grow in my prayer life or whatever it would be. Okay? So spiritual growth, our city and our nation, uh, uh, healing, healing for the sick, and then family problems back in the back okay so like I said you go where the Lord leads you to go the only thing I ask leaders is this I want you to pray we're only going to do this for a couple of minutes this is not a time to teach it's not a time to tell you what they say well what would you like us to pray for Derek well let me start when I was in the first grade and my teacher no, no. I want you to pray for my son's salvation period because don't spend your time talking to each other. Spend your time praying and talking to the Lord. Okay? All right. So, um, anyway, you've heard everything I've had to say. I think that'll work. Um, and then in a few minutes, we will close our service um, in, in prayer. I will close the service in prayer when I've given every group uh, a few minutes to pray. Okay? Um, let me see here. Doug and Terry, would y'all come help me serve the Lord's Supper, please? Paul says in Romans that the curtain 
has been torn in two. And therefore we have direct access to God. Have you entered into God's presence and asked Him for the gift of eternal life? If you have, then I want you to come and celebrate that life that you've been given freely by eating and drinking and remembering and giving thanks. And then you can go to your uh, area that you'd like to pray uh, in uh, or you can come back and sit down or you can be dismissed. Okay, So leaders, you come first. Okay?